Yeah, you had no re- clue what you were coming nah, to get into. Nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know how big we were. Nah, hell That's nah. awesome. I thought it was like just gonna be via Zoom or some shit until yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I'm at the sun joint. I'm like, damn, this cat. I was like, person. I'm like, what the fuck? This is this is some real ass <laughs> shit yeah. here. I'm like, this is Joe Rogan style. <laughs> Oh, right on, man. What's your last name? Holden. J-O-L-D-E-N. Jermaine Holden. We met uh, in the good old steam room. Shout out, Ridge. Oh, shout out to the Ridge. Yeah, I meet meet most people in the steam room. It's trippy, though. That's That's where I'm at. Sounds a little weird, but it's true. Yeah. My wife trips out. She's been going to the Ridge since we moved here, you know, and I was going back and forth to other countries and stuff, and she's like, oh, she told someone the other day, she's like, I've been going to the Ridge probably at least six months longer than Jermaine has, and he knows so many more people. She's like, how in the <laughs> hell is that possible? I was like, because I talked to him. I was, it's a captive audience in this thing. Well, it's yeah, something about I, you, too. You're just, like, such an approachable person. <laughs> yeah, a big dark figure in the corner of a steamy room. <laughs> deep voice talking. <laughs> like, okay, I'll talk to It yeah. echoes real nice in the steam room, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. I for want sure. something from this guy. <laughs> right on. All right, so give us a little bit of your background. You, yeah. uh, Where are you from? I am from Anderson, South Carolina, born and raised. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So, yeah, 18 years there, and then I went on from there to college. So that's where I was, yeah. And you went to Notre Dame? I did, Notre yeah, Dame. yeah. I left the southeast and all of its splendor for the good old Midwest. Midwest. <laughs> yeah. you just slowly been making your way west, haven't <laughs> yeah. you? I love and it. And higher, too. Yeah. I'm moving up and out and farther away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you played football. What were some of your biggest takeaways from playing uh, college sports at a fairly high level? My biggest takeaways were the obvious one for me is the camaraderie. You know, when you're when you're on a team with that many guys and you're going through it with people, it just draws you closer. It's almost fraternal. Yeah, like, kind of like a family. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, it's like a big fraternity. And see, in the University of Notre Dame, there are no fraternities or sororities. Okay. And so it was like our it's fr- sports. Yeah, sports it was is... like our thing. Yeah. Wow. So the camaraderie was the biggest takeaway. And I say that because you don't realize it till you don't have it. How much? Yeah. yeah. How much you kind of, especially when you start. I started playing when I was five. Right. Yeah. Started it's playing been your every, whole life. Yeah. And I've had some form of that. Mm-hmm. All the way until I was 22, 23 years old. And then when that's gone, you're like, holy shit. Oh, wow. What, what just, you know, like, you, it takes a while for you to figure out what's missing. Yeah. You know, but then you, then you're like, man, I don't, I don't have that anymore, you know? And so that was the biggest. And then um, I think just hard work, focusing on the little things, how important they are. And what you can get accomplished when you have to. Yeah. You know, because I was married. I got married when I was 19. Okay. Oh, wow. The first time. Because that explains the difference in the kids. Oh, okay, right? okay. Yeah. All right, so all right. First time I got married, I was 19 years old. So I got married after my freshman year of college. They had a son. Wow. So I was married. Most people don't know this. But I was married with a child before I ever paid a bill. Wow. No bill. I'd never ever paid a bill is, before. Well, because was, how much was Notre Dame covering? Amazing. Well, I mean, I was on scholarship and the athletes back when I was there, unless you were a fifth year, you had to stay on campus. You know, now when I got married, that changed for me. Yeah. yeah. But 
otherwise, if you were a non non married athlete, which most like ninety nine percent of all <laughs> everybody else twenty year olds are, yeah, yeah, like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of everybody else is is yeah. fit in that category, and they have to stay on campus, and that's the way it was. But so when I moved off. They had some marriage student housing, but it was crap. I mean, straight up garbage. Yeah. And when I moved off, they didn't really, they didn't really have a plan. Like, you know, like, and that was surprising. Like, they didn't really know kind of how to handle it. How to handle that situation. Interesting. And I don't know if the financial support was a part of that, the lack of clarity for them as a university and program, but. From memory, I only received about I want to say three seventy five or something like three hundred seventy five dollars a month. Wow! What year was that? That would have been ninety two. I started school in ninety one, so ninety two yeah. would have been uh, the first year that I was kind of in that different situation. Yeah, definitely. And my rent was four hundred. Damn! So you were so, already fifteen dollars short. Yeah, like I haven't paid for lights. And bought any food, and the university made me keep a meal plan. Basically, I'm the asset. Yeah. So they had to make sure that I got taken care of. But mm-hmm. my family, well, that's a different issue. Yeah. Because that was a choice. So you was your I mean? wife? Was she working, or was no, she in school with you? Nah, no, no, no. I mean, you know, this sounds really weird to say. We didn't have the means for her to work, so didn't have a car, and we had a kid. You yeah. know, so we had a. A one-year-old that you gotta be watching. Yeah, so so we couldn't afford daycare, and so it was almost a situation where we couldn't afford for her to work. If that makes sense. Well, because the opportunity cost of twenty dollars an hour at daycare is not the same as what she was making. Right. Yeah, and there's no way she could have made enough to cover that and the cost of transportation. Yeah, I couldn't work. You know, so you didn't have any time. Right. Well, no. I mean, I was an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And NCAA at the time, you could not work. And there was no NIL, like they just started here in that name, image, and likeness where you could uh, get some kind of compensation, you know, on a recurring basis or whatever else, just because of who you are. Your scholarship was your, at least that's what they said. They wanted you to believe. Anyway, that was your payment for your effort. So do you believe that college athletes should get paid? Absolutely. I do. Yeah. And do you think the way that they're going about it now is the proper way? Like with their endorsements and big companies like Barstool Sports picking up athletes and, you know, like local, like around here, I know a couple of buddies that are on the football team that are sponsored by like the Ford and they got a truck. No. Yeah. Like I don't have a problem with that. The issue that I have with the NIL is that it's exclusive to those who fall into that top tier. Yeah. Whether you're talking about that top 5% maybe of MSU, of Montana State athletes or Grizzly athletes that are over in, in Missoula or wherever. Yep. They're the only ones that really get to Yeah, the only ones that. that have like this huge name around them. Right, right. That can sell basically. Exactly, but all of them are making the sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. They're all making the same sacrifice, but only some of them are getting that reward. Yep. And that's the problem I have with the NIL versus, and again, this is the first time I've ever been kind of asked to respond to this in a way that it was going to be recorded and possibly played back. So that's a long way saying the NCAA has not called me to ask me what the hell I think. Yeah. But I believe that athletes should be paid the same hourly wage 
from a university that they would pay any other student to work on their campus. Yeah. So totally. and then I, think I mean, that, they're bringing in yeah, money. It's exactly. entertainment. And exactly. They're advertising it. They're right. putting it on, like on television yeah. and all that. So yeah. So that's that's the approach. That it, not not a percentage of box office or whatever else, ticket sales and merchandise and all of that stuff. Because then you'd have this huge disparity between yeah some universities and others. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But. But if most universities probably pay minimum wage or something yeah. like that to people to work in a dining hall or a library mm-hmm. or wherever, so pay the athletes the same hourly wage. So you don't think that it's fair that Bryce Hall is going to have more endorsements, the Heisman winner, than you know the average? Oh, Bryce Young? Yeah, Bryce Young. Again, I don't have a problem with with him getting what he deserves. Yeah, I have a problem with others the, not the second or third string center who's just as valuable to that program because he spends time out there. He sacrifices, he hurts, he bleeds, he sweats. They need him just as much as they need Bryce Young in order to, for them to go out and compete because they have to prepare during the week. They got to practice their scout team. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They can't compete on a high level without those people. Yeah. Right. So why does this guy not get something? That's okay. my point is yeah. that and maybe you do that for those individuals who aren't in that top 5%. And if yeah. Alabama can pay Nick Saban $10 million a year, they can definitely pay their center 20 bucks an hour. Exactly. I mean, this, we're talking about amateur athletes. Yeah. You know, and why are college coaches in, in some, you know, the highest paid state employee in a lot of, you know, anywhere where there's a big university. Yeah, they're the highest paid. Maybe not the entire country, but certainly in certain states, you have coaches of amateur athletes that are the highest wage earner in the state. Yeah, that, yeah, that ain't right. That, right, just then you don't have to be incredibly smart to feel that way, right? I yeah. Mean, it's, yeah, it's really indentured servitude. That's the way that I see it. I mean, that's what does that mean? Well, that's where you're working for kind of like store credit. <laughs> that, like yeah. your, your scholarship is like people's argument. Is that your scholarship is your payment, but your scholarship isn't shit. Really, it's an opportunity to. They say, "Well, you, you got an education." No, I, you get an opportunity to get an education. That's what the scholarship is, you know. And it's one year renewable. It's not like, and these schools can get rid of these athletes if they're not producing, yeah. you know. But coaches can can be a carousel. We just saw all of these coaches rotating, moving all around yeah. the different schools, and yeah. getting ten million dollars and getting these huge salaries and stuff, but players are, are confined to wherever they sign. Mm-hmm. They can transfer maybe, but that's a, that's a heck of a process. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, like, you not like just... that. And they don't, they're not guaranteed a better, a better path to the NFL or whatever it is that they aspire to do by moving to another school. That's not guaranteed. So it's just, you know, and, and you know, and that's what trips me out when people say, well, you got an education out of it. Well, I got an opportunity to get an education. I had to show up to class just like everybody else. Yeah. I had to take the test. I had to do all the rest of this stuff. And he didn't give me an education. No. And then what did it cost? What does it really cost these universities for for that seat in that lecture hall or or in that uh, even if it's a small intimate class setting 
What does it cost yeah. the university for that one seat, for that one bed that that athlete or that yeah. young man or young Certainly woman? Certainly not $30,000 right. a semester at Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, how much electricity are they using? How much water? How much food are they consuming? They're not consuming that much. Mm-mm. So it's not really, you know, so what it costs them is just minuscule. Yeah. And then what they make is... Well, they got to get enough money to pay their coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. All right, right on. So you studied psychology, mm-hmm. and why'd you choose that? I don't know. I feel like it chose me. You know, like I, some, I like that. Yeah, like it just made sense. I like the thought of like I always like how thinking about the brain and like how do we get these thoughts yeah. and how does all of this stuff come about? Even language and all of this stuff comes from somebody's brain, right? Yeah, and it's like. You know, like whether you're talking about some ancient text that's been passed and retranslated yeah. and, into many languages, like the Bible. Yeah. I mean, it's a book. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, so and it's it, like, you know, so someone thought of this stuff or had to write it down at some point, you know, so that's all psychology, right? And then they had to, they had to share it. And then other people kind of bought into it, right? Yeah. And that's kind of how Very it true. all, that's kind of how it all works. So the mind is just this amazing thing. And it drives all that we do, you know, whether we realize oh, it or totally. not. Yeah. Most of us don't think about, aren't very cognizant of what we're about to say before we say it. But even that, yeah. right? If you really think about the things that you, you know, it's all coming through there. Yeah. yeah. Everything is <laughs> getting processed by that. Yeah. So it chose yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. So it chose me and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I graduated in three and a half years and, um, my second semester, I was in grad school, and that was kind of cool. Take a couple of grad classes in psychology yeah. and stuff. So yeah, but I didn't. You know, I would take a PhD, and I, I didn't like school that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at, that. man. Like I'm studying chemistry, yeah. and to so first off, like to get your PhD in chemistry, you make a twenty-seven thousand dollars stipend at MSU. Okay, which that contractually means that you can't work another job and you're working less than minimum wage. There you go. See, back then. Yeah. Yeah. So they're asking you to just be an impoverished student for four years, five years. Well, you're, you're definitely more of an asset to the school making money in those research labs than $27,000 a year. Exactly. And you're telling me that's all that they can afford. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then what the craziest part is like these alumni that make a shitload of money will then donate millions of dollars. We just had a hundred million dollar donation to the MSU. Oh yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, For the nursing program. It was like 105. Man, you know what I always wonder? I'm like, damn, how do I get next to that person? (laughs) Yeah. I don't want anybody to give me anything but an opportunity. Right? Yeah, I just never, an opportunity. Never, to... never wanted that, but just to bend the ear of, or to have a, as a mentor that family or that couple or yeah. whoever that was that donated a hundred. What did you do? Yeah, how did you get this done? Yeah. Like, like I what, just want to hear your story, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like I, I, just a little part of that. Like share that, you know. And we don't get a lot of that, you know, from a societal perspective. Yeah, right. You know, like. They give a hundred million dollars to MSU. One would think that MSU could benefit from how they made it, like yeah. you sharing, like like not, those people yeah. come and give like a presentation, right, right, or or, or you got enough really smart people, PhD candidates or whatever, and it could be in literature or communications or something that could sit down and interview these people and then share it with the MSU yeah. community so that everybody 
learns from these folks who have been so wildly and they, successful. And donated and who are now yeah. a huge part of all yeah. of our education at yeah, this point. Yeah, exactly. Let us, give us some of that. Give, you know, I like your sales pitch, man. Bit. Those people should come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like you the know, way you think. No doubt, no doubt. Let everybody learn from it. You know? Yeah. Like, we, maybe everybody can't go out and replicate it, but if they can- But at least gets ideas yeah, flowing in different, take one different pathways away. to go yeah, down. one or two things away, mindsets, whatever. Books, what did they what did they do? How did they yeah. prepare for how did they get ready to make a hundred million? Not just to make a hundred million. But to have enough right. cash that they to could have, donate. Well, that's the thing is give hundred away. They made more than a hundred <laughs> yeah. million to give yeah. that much away. It's it's amazing. Right, right, right. So again, you know, most people don't have access to those circles, right? Yeah. And this is one of those delineations between that percentage of people globally or certainly here within the United States. It separates them from everyone else. Oh, definitely. That knowledge stays, tends to stay in that circle. Yeah, because they're only going to share it with the people right. that they trust oh, around them. The ones, okay. that the ones that they're sitting down with, that yeah. they're breaking bread with, that yeah. they're having conversations with all the time. Yep. Who is that? They're the ones that's going to benefit from all of the, the things that, that that family or organization or whomever that they went through, you know, yep. their, their children, their children's children, and their friends, family, or whomever, and their work colleagues or, or peers, they're the ones that benefit from it. Yeah. They know. But everybody else is just sitting around left to uh, question it, right? Question, like, so, yeah. how did how'd this person get up there? Like, yeah, and then you don't even, like, it's hard to even believe that number, right? You, you oh, see yeah. that number, you hear that number, you're like, what? How? One can only dream of just make it 10. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, yeah. 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 So 100 is, yeah. That's, yeah that, that's, that's, that knowledge almost seems trapped or lost. Right, right. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. So if we could figure out a way to, to share that, that would, yeah. that would be just as big of big and, and probably a more valuable donation from those folks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, that would be just as important for somebody as the 100 million uh, will be for that nursing program because yeah. if you're not in a nursing program, it you only benefit picture. when you go into the healthcare system. Yeah, later that, and right later on, it's that that someone, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the doctors or nurses or whatever who benefited from being a part of that. Yeah. Now you get to through them, you get to benefit, but otherwise, none of us, yeah, normal folks that are not nurses or going into that will benefit. I would say, uh with technology now like youtube mm -hmm. people are starting to come out people that are making like really good money yeah. are starting to come out on these youtube channels and trying to portray how they make money and sure some of them mm -hmm. at, like they say oh they just lead you on and lead you on for like an hour right of trying to get you and then they're finally like okay and if you buy my book for a hundred dollars right you'll get all this free stuff and i'll really tell you but there's no way out there to really get the real inside yeah. on what how they're, they're lacking is that they're not having conversations with normal people like mm -hmm. us right asking yeah. them these questions of right. like well what did it actually take not mm -hmm. what was your sales pitch what was your gimmick yeah like, what did it actually take yeah. from you to get where i'm sitting to where you're sitting yeah like you know give us the grind yeah yeah you know like because it's easy to look at successful people and be envious of them and everything else because what you see now is not the finished product but that's after years and years of something. Oh, yeah. Right? Sacrifice, dedication, hard work. I mean. Give me your hustle, man. Right, right. Like, what got you there? You know, mm -hmm. like, and unless unless the person is a rapper or something like that, a Jay-Z. Yeah. You know, who you can go through his disc discography 
if you've been a fan, you can go back to Reasonable Doubt and you can go through all of the, the CD, all of his work. Yeah. And you can kind of grow Watch with him, him, right? progress through yeah, it. And you can see it. And this dude, when he didn't have no Basquiat's and Warhol's on his wall when, when Reasonable Doubt came out. Yeah. But no. He has it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's like, he's the richest musician, right? Ever? I, I think so. Really? Think so. He was the first wow. billionaire musician to nah, build his I think, brand. I think the, uh, Dr. Dre might have been first. Oh, but, when he sold Beats. Yeah. Right, yeah, the Beats. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But that's okay. But again, you know, this cat from, from Compton, right? Yeah. You know, and you, know, and you the, can watch the, his story. If the, and... the movie's true. If the, you know, <laughs> if, the, if the movie's true, you know, he was he had the vinyl and milk crates and, and doing it the old school way. You yeah. Know, and yeah. I believe a lot of that was the, that was depicted in that movie is probably relatively accurate. Yeah. You yeah. know, they, they didn't come from much and they, you know, they created it. Created something, yeah. which is super cool. Yeah. But so the grind, the grind is what, you know, especially now, like with people want stuff. Like now, yeah, they like, just want it. Like, yeah, snap so the so that's why I don't, I don't want to hear about like the decision process to donate a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about you know the what idea. it was back when you were yeah. twenty five, struggling. Yeah, and- tell us what happened in the lab. You know, uh, like you know, like tell us what yeah. made, what went into the sausage yeah. that y'all made because that's a nasty, hard process. Yeah, right? and, tell us about the hard times. Yeah, that you had to most fight people through. don't want to do it. Like back when I was in school. At the University of Notre Dame, I played for Lou Holtz, and he used to have this uh, coach Lou Holtz, and he used to, to do this thing. He like he would ask us these questions, right? It would be a bunch of questions over and over again. He'd be like, "Okay, if I came in here with a million dollars, how many of you would want it? If I had a bag of a million dollars right here beside me, you know, and everybody's hand would go up." And then he would ask more questions that would progressively mean that you have to basically make a sacrifice yeah. to get it. So he'd say, "Okay, well." What if you had to stay up for, you know, 24 hours? Everybody still kept their hand up. It was like, okay, well, what if you had to dig ditches for that whole time? You know, whatever. You, yeah, I don't know whatever what it may be. But what if you had to do something? Like you had to sacrifice, right. put in some hard work right. for it. And like, what is that what is million the dollars really worth right. to you? And then, yeah. more, then as, the, as the sacrifice went up, the hands went down. Yeah, you know, less and less. Oh, people, of you course, know, you don't you don't want to put in the work, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't. And I'm really sure if you want. did that nowadays, it'd be even less. Right, like right. They want it right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's like they just want it given yeah. out. But because you got so much stuff at your fingertips, right? You know, because yeah. you do have the access, so they think, okay, well, if I can just come up with a concept, a coin, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, or something like that, you know, yeah. people are. People are crazy enough to catch on to yeah, it. If and I all can of create sudden. enough, enough spin around this thing, if I can get enough clicks, then I can make some loot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it's about. So what do you think you gained from having a four-year degree? You know, like that was your trade-off for mm-hmm. giving the school what you gave them. You gave them your blood, sweat, your tears, your concussions, yeah. everything. Right. Right. What did you get from that school? Hmm. Memories camaraderie oh yeah. i like that memories yeah that's what i got and i got that piece of paper or whatever it's made out of it's, <laughs> on, it's on my wall a lot of people really hold in high regard yeah you know? so i got those things how much again, do those memories keep you going a lot a lot again that's one of the things that i got from school is all of the teachings from my coach he taught us a lot about life 
That's life, awesome. life through football. So, and he even early days before any upperclassmen shows show up, he would do this thing, and I did it. I, I spoke to some folks at MSU, and I did it at, at this little thing that I spoke to. So he would get a he would have like a glass of water. Mm-hmm. It's probably three fourths, a little bit more than that, full. Just a glass of water. So he would take that glass of water, and he would say, "You know, you see this." He's like, this is holding the cup of water up or whatever. This is Notre Dame. The glass itself is is the structure, everything. And he was like, and you see what's in it? That's the time. That's the memories. That's that's all that you're going to do here is in this inside of this vessel right here. And then he would hold up one finger, one finger. And he would take that one finger and he would put it in the in the glass and he would have some whomever was sitting closest to him. He'd say, you see what happened? And they would say, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, when I put my finger in there, what happened? They said, well, it rose a little bit. You know, like put an object in. Yeah. And raise. So he, it rose a little bit. And then he, then he takes it out. And he's like, what happened when I took it out? He said, did it change much? They're like, no, it didn't. He's like, exactly. He's like, so that finger represents you inside this university and when you leave. All that you're going to take away. So obviously his finger was wet. Uh, Those are the things. Those are the things that you take with you because this is going to stay and it's going to remain intact. What you take away from it, though, will be that that's. Yeah. yeah. So might as well dip two fingers. (laughs) Yeah. Get all the way in there. (laughs) (laughs) Fist that water. (laughs) That was his point. It's like, yo, get it while you get as much as you can. Get as much as you can. Enjoy it. Yeah. That's because awesome. It's going to be over. And all you're going to take is the memories. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. So yeah. what was step one after graduating? Trying to play football. Because <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's what you got. It's what you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, did, I started when I was five. And yeah, it's been your know, life at yeah, this I didn't point. Know shit else. You know, and I didn't, like I told you cats before, I didn't really like school. You were good at it if you graduated in three and a half years. You know. Even a garbage can gets steak. So if you, if, you st- if you stick around, if you stick to it, you know, you can. Even a garbage can you, gets you com- steak. You yeah. Like if you demonstrate a commitment, you'll finish, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, if you stay on your hustle and keep grinding, you get through it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's what that represents, just grinding through it. But, man, I did not like it. So I, my whole thing was to play football, but the camaraderie was gone. You know, really? Yeah, it was gone. Man. So when you left college, trying to go into yeah, like pro football, yeah. it just wasn't. It was. Um, some of it was fun, but I tell people this all the time, and I'm not just some salty, um, failed professional athlete. You know, I'm the reality of football. But what I tell people is, if you go to an organization, a company normal yeah. company with 50 employees a high percentage of friends meaning you're going to hang out outside of work your family if you're married or have a family families would get together all that stuff mm-hmm. you know like you're gonna kick it every now and again a high percentage in an organization with 50 employees would be five that so, would hang out together 10 yeah, percent wow that's high yeah. Right? I mean, wouldn't you say in the company? I mean, not yeah. yelling out yeah. there yet, but yeah, that's that's normal, right? 
And that's how it is. And for me, that's how it was. Yeah, in the NFL. In the NFL. That's how it was. So you go from college where you have. Where 80, everybody's all together. Yeah, where, that, where that team is, is fraternal. We talked about yeah. this yeah. earlier. That team is your fraternity. You have 80 something guys that you feel like, or at least 60. Like you're really homies yeah, with them. Like, yo, if you need them, they are yeah. there for sure. Like, even yep. if you don't need them, they're there. Like, yep. almost in the, almost annoyingly. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it ain't that, it, it's not that way. It, it, it's not that way. The camaraderie changes. The whole thing changes. You know, money gets involved or whatever. Exactly. But they call it work. People show up. They show up in the morning and then when it's over, they leave. Yeah. The hanging out stuff isn't really. And do you think that's because there's such a gap between like you coming in as just out of college and then there's this guy that's been there for 10 years has a super established career and is just kind of focused on finishing it out? I think there's some of that. But, you know, in sport you have, there probably is some some competitive things in there too. Some yeah. Selfishness. Oh, I'm sure. Without a doubt. So they don't want to like give up some, too much. Right. Like yeah. Some coveting. You know, you worked hard. Everybody that's there worked really hard for, oh, yeah. for a long time. And, you know, it's quite a, a, uh, an accomplishment to mm-hmm. reach that, that plateau. So do you want to, like, bow out like yeah do you want to just like let this new cat come in and and just like run rough shot over thing nah not really nah nah that ain't really nah, at all. Nah, nah. you you want them to kind of be humbled and yeah you know all, all of that stuff so it just didn't it just didn't jive man yeah. so what's different like what makes a good captain in an nfl football team what makes tom brady able to really bring in those new players and make them feel like a home because you could tell that there's a difference with Tom Brady and his boys on a football team and there is with other quarterbacks and the way, like Kirk Cousins for example mm. the way that he commands his players mm-hmm. as opposed to the way that Tom Brady who's 44 years old right, right brings his boys in I don't know those men personally but my guess would be you know Tom his journey wasn't all that straightforward, right? Yeah. You know, from from high school to Michigan, at Michigan, he wasn't no stud. No. no. I mean, like, I mean, like he, he had going to fight like, for what? his starting That's position. 199th pick overall yeah. or yeah. something. Fifth round draft pick Six. Six. Yeah, six 199. Six, like, yeah, so he's sixth round draft ridiculous. pick. So, so the expectations weren't necessarily high. Yeah. You know? So he had to work his ass off right. for and it. And then he had to learn a lot, and he benefited from Bledsoe getting hurt. Yeah. So Bledsoe, I forget who was the New England quarterback before Bledsoe. Well, Bledsoe was granted the opportunity to start for the Patriots the same way that Tom Brady got it. So whoever Bledsoe was backing up went down with a knee injury, and then Bledsoe got the start. He let him, you know, he did really well. Got his huge contract the year before he got his injury. Right. Then he got injured, and Tom got it the same way. Yeah. And then when Tom got injured, you remember Garoppolo? That's how he kind of got yeah. his that's how he got his shine. Well, the Patriots uh-huh. are notorious for right. getting those players big but big money him, and then they come back. So then they let him go, but they let him go on to uh San Francisco. The 49ers. But I think I think it's that humility, I think with with Tom. I think, you know, he was that dude, right? Yeah, that yeah. had he to was, struggle and fight right, all the way right, through it. Right, all the way through. And, and he's I, been successful, so he can yeah. relate to these players that aren't these big names and be like, look, yeah. boys, we can do this if yeah. we work hard and get it done. Like, it's yeah, I doable. Think, I think he, you know, despite all of his success and 
all the accolades. I mean, the dude just threw for his 700th yeah. touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, amazing. man. 700th touchdown. That is amazing. You know, so I think that comes with like this. It has to have some humility to it. Like, you know, some poise and some, yeah. some acceptance. Because what the hell is he threatened by? Nothing. Nothing. You know, Father Time. He's not even threatened by Father Time right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so why wouldn't he just embrace whomever? I don't. He know is he, Father Time. Yeah, I don't know that he does. I don't know that he like welcomes rookies with open arms, or if he makes them go through the kind of like the hazing. You know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what how he gets down, but the way he carries himself. There's a lot of haters out there. I'm just not one of them because I appreciate you know. I appreciate the game. Oh, yeah. it can't be easy. You know, he makes it look easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn right he does. <laughs> you know, but it's not easy to get to that level and to stay there and to continue to produce year. Oh yeah, year I mean he's the, he's the one and only. Yeah, right so, now that's producing you know, so year think, after year. Honestly, I think what makes a tremendous leader is the absence of fear. You know, like they're not afraid that somebody's going to take their spot. It's the same thing that helps us non-superstars or whatever else like move through this thing kind of more gracefully than we than we could otherwise. I gotcha. We're not afraid of like like you're confident in what you got and believe in yourself. You show up to work every day or whatever. You know what you're doing. You're confident. You know it's like all right if they they don't whoever it is, they are if they don't like it then they can let me go yeah yeah you know like i'm gonna produce i'm gonna give them more than what they're paying for and that's what brady does yeah game after game after game he doesn't disappoint he gives the people what they want and then but if all of a sudden it's not good enough anymore yo let me go let me know and then let me go yeah, yeah. and i'll go do some other shit that's how he moves and i think all of us you know if we don't have to be gazillionaires or superstar athletes and stuff like that to move like that and so you know i th- I think that's why he's so so good because he's just not afraid not afraid i like that yeah. a lot what do you think the platform of athletes really being able to speak their mind has done for sports like tom brady doing his tom versus time or michael jordan doing his last dance what has that allowed people to gain you know who pat mcafee is he does his uh, like the Pat McAfee show where Aaron Rodgers came on and oh, talked yeah. about COVID or right, right, right. whatever. What do you think that that platform has now allowed for at the average Joe to take from athletes? I think it's it's giving you some insight into how they think, the sacrifices that they, that are made. Yeah, it's access that maybe people wanted but didn't get. Probably before Hard Knocks or something like that. Yeah, you know you didn't you didn't get to look behind the curtain. You know, you didn't see the fights. You didn't see yeah. the swearing. You didn't hear how... You people... put them on such a pedestal. Right, right, right. That takes that pedestal down a little level. Well, it's kind of going back to where we started with this person giving a $100 million donation yeah. and us wanting to see how they got right, there. It right. definitely lets us see that they're more human and that they mm-hmm. make mistakes. They go through struggles and yeah. how they fought through it all. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's it, I think. Right. I think they it's just insight, you know, that common folks didn't have before you know yeah. the fans the ones that are paying you know for the tickets or or for the premium cable channels the nfl package or whatever that might be yeah so now they get to feel like they know their their favorite athletes a yeah. little bit better 
No, more yeah. on a personal level almost. They, I mean, they, they they get to feel that way. They don't know shit. No. But, <laughs> but they, they get that feeling. Them, right. They don't know them. But, no. but yeah. And then the athlete, uh, he or she can kind of feel like they're giving something without giving too much, right? Yeah. Because of course. Know, that's, that's different than sitting at Tom Brady showing up at Sidewinders. You know, oh you yeah. Imagine what that shit would be like. Oh, you know, it'd be insane, right? You can't eat. He won't be able to eat. Yeah, you know, like, and that's the thing that. So for athletes, it's like, okay, I can do this and let people see some, see more of me, as opposed to me sharing myself with them publicly, like in a public setting, because that's kind of violent yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that kind of that's got it, it becomes a pain in the butt like even as college athletes you know like uh hell i would be in blockbuster or somewhere was, when i was in school yeah they still were they still had some validity to them uh you know like you could be anywhere and people just come up you know even as a college athlete people just come up to you and they you know they feel like you should be ob- obliged to sign something or take a picture or do whatever yeah. uh, because they asked for it. And then if you reject that, right? You're an asshole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you could just be sitting down trying to enjoy a meal with your family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you just keep getting constantly interrupted or whatever. And, you, you know, like you try to be normal. Yeah. yeah. You try. You like, can't. like, right. Like, like that's the thing. Like we as people, normal citizens won't allow these athletes to just be normal people just to without bombarding them they know it when they when they sign their contracts they know that they're giving up a lot Mm -hmm. but they don't quite know the magnitude of it because it gets heavy yeah odell beckham you know the uh the shop the Mm -hmm. barbershop that lebron does odell beckham came up and he opened up about that so like he's a really good dancer in his end zone or whatever right right and he came on and uh, lebron asked him you know like what's the worst part about being odell beckham jr Mm -hmm. and he said that he'll be walking down the street and people will yell at him to start dancing Mm -hmm. like he's a damn circus clown Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then they just have no idea what that really feels like to have someone demand something out of you that doesn't know you at Mm -hmm. all yeah, and they just think that you're this this performer twenty four seven, right? Right. Because of the amazing things that he's able to do on TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, these these athletes or superstars are none but people. You know, yeah, they're just fucking people. People like, with brains. Yeah, yeah they're just people that are really, really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's it. I mean, but they they make mistakes like the rest yeah. of us do. They, they have down days, yeah, they have up yeah, days. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing that Tom Brady never had a scandal. Yeah, well, he had the, the, the deflate gate, yeah. but whatever, man. Like, yeah. He was, you know, 23 years old, and he won three Super Bowls in four years. Yeah. It's interesting to hear him talk about it on this new documentary that he's I mean, doing. But, but think about it, man. Like, without tripping, like, what white superstar athletes have scandals? Name one. The uh the quarterback for Ole Miss that guy Brad Kessler but yeah like who yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not ringing what? any bells yeah <laughs> what Brad who yeah I mean not, no not this in the game yeah. but you know like not, yeah no like, I feel you okay I mean I I guess you could say he had issues before he got to the league was the name uh Tommy Vardell or whatever 
Oh, Tommy Manziel. Yeah, Tommy Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Yeah, Johnny Manziel. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, he's, I mean, he's been gone so But long. he was a coke addict since he I was mean, in high school. Point. Yeah. My point is that he, I don't know if he was no coke addict. I, don't, I didn't say that. No, he but, was, but, but whatever. I don't know. But, you know, you name one. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to happen. You know, like, especially when, you you know, again, with Tom, like, he's a six-round draft pick. Yeah. And so, he, he probably surrounds himself with very tight, I mean, probably always has, right? He keeps a beginner mindset. Right. He got his family around him. He has people that keeps him in check. They can tell him he's full of shit when he's full of shit. And LeBron probably has the same. Yeah. You know? That's That's, who's impressive. Yeah. Because, you know, he hasn't had one either. Yeah. But, you know, like, these people have people that keep them out of the the muck. Mm -hmm. You know? 18 years old, signing a $20 million shoe contract. They got people that they trust. All of them have people that they trust. Yeah. Yep. But the thing is, are the people that you trust, are they doing the right things or not? Yeah, are they trustworthy? Right, because, you know, like most of these folks that end up in something, they ain't by themselves. Oh, no. (laughs) It's not like you're the superstar and you're going out and you're going to do this stupid ass thing. You're usually around somebody and. Right, and it most most it of the time it. involves it involves some someone of the opposite sex, and they're doing something crazy or not, or some you know, like yeah. whatever, you know. But people people who have a a tight, confident circle that is competent, right? You know, and and it understands what you're trying to accomplish, and they're with you, and they're trying to, and they're more like they're more assets to you than they are liabilities, right? So they're not pulling you down they're always boosting you they're like wind in your sails those people are checking you they are not letting you go unchecked that, that ego you can leave that shit in the bedroom but like they they don't let you just move that way they say look man you you stepping you know you you're getting sideways right mm-hmm. now you need to get back on track or something who are some of the people that you respect most in your life uh my parents you know, like the norms on my Well, parents, like you look at Michael Jordan and his thing. His dad was like a huge yeah. part of his career and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these people, their dad or mom is a yeah. huge part of yeah. helping yeah. them get through it all. Yeah, like my dad was my coach for when I started playing sport and stuff. So, yeah. you know, and without that cat, like pushing me to, you know, like he pushed me harder than the other players on our teams yes yeah. little league teams and stuff like that but only because he knew what i was capable of exactly you know and if he hadn't i probably wouldn't have been as good as i was or as competitive mm-hmm. as i was or just yeah so i'd say my dad my grandparents uh, my grandmother to be specific my mom's mom mm-hmm. um spent a lot of time with her growing up and stuff uh when my parents were at work so she kind of had a big hand Right so that whole village mentality. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my fundamentals. I don't have to look too far. And then Holtz, I don't necessarily, people ask me if I liked him. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, and it didn't, no. And, uh, and, I, and I can quickly answer no to liking him. I didn't know him as a person. Even, you know, like, again, we talked about these star athletes. You don't, you'll never know them yeah. unless you are in their circle, right? Yeah. And and even playing for someone for four years, you don't know them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not. You're only seeing him as the coach right, on the field, right, basically. Right. So I don't know him personally, but I respected the hell out of him. Yeah. And, you know, and if he walked in this room right now, despite this chair being so cozy, 
I would uh I would get up, shake his hand, you know, and give him this seat. Yeah. I respect that man tremendously. And again, he took 17, 18 year old boys, in, of which I was one. Turned them into men. Yeah, and kind of fostered them through that whole process in the manhood. So I got to respect that. So, yeah. All right. So we got to know you. Now we have this segment called Threes in Life. All right. So All we right. normally do this a little bit sooner, but you, you got so much to say. <laughs> I got a lot. Got we got a lot. so much to say, man. Yeah. So uh, what we do in this is uh, we start with three. So that's why I was asking you about three songs before. Yeah. You can just give one. So we go three songs that made the hair stand up on the back of your neck because music yeah. is one of our big things. Yeah, for sure. And then three emotions that you're feeling right now mm-hmm. and the three things that you're thinking about. They can be surface level. They can be goals. They can be just like mm-hmm. three things that are in your back of your head. Okay. All right. We'll start with start with the music. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. how Whatever we usually want. do all it. Right, right. Easiest one. So... uh I'm a big outcast. Oh, oh yeah. 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 So I love fresh me some so outcasts. So the one that sticks out to me, they have so many. Yeah. So, they have so, so, so many. many. So many. Yeah. It's so fresh and so clean. But now nah, that's not one. That's not the one I was about to talk about. But synthesizer. Yes. Synthesizer, oh, man. man. Yeah. Like, you know, like when the cat says, he says, microwave me, give me a pill so I can make seven babies. My nose ain't right. Think I need a new one. <laughs> uh, take your pick, a yellow, red, a black, or a blue one. Yeah, I don't yeah. know when they made that song, but it's so now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With people, you know, like, you don't like something, you just go to the store and change it. That's what it feels like. You want some ass? You go, You know, you want more more. More cakes in the back. You want some hips, some curves. You can go. You can go buy an ass. You want some lips. You know. You can go buy lips. You know. <laughs> you know. That's, it's so. It's yeah. like that song. Just is so right now, and like the foresight. Plus, you know, I think you know Andre probably. I think he's the best. One of the best lyrics, top three lyricists ever. So, who's, who's your other? Oh man. I gotta say, Bob Dylan. Yeah, no, I gotta go with Rock M. I don't know who that is. Oh well, yeah, it's. I don't either. Eric B and Rock M. No, Eric B and Rock M. Yeah, also look into that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Y'all look look into that, and uh, I'm gonna go with Ice Cube. No, not Cube. Black Thought. All right. Black, okay. Black Thought. I like that. Without a doubt, Black Thought. Black Thought. He might be number one. All right. Word. <laughs> yeah, That's number sick. one. And I'd probably put Jay-Z, like, fourth. All right. Fifth. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So, Synthesizer, for sure. I recently heard, and I think it's the coldest intro to, like, one of the coldest intros to any song, Paul Revere. From Beastie Boys. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love some Beastie in, Boys. When it comes in, that zoop, 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 yep. that, like. Sends chills oh, yeah, a little like, bit. Like I have right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to play that one real yeah. quick. Here's a little story I Here got it to comes. tell about three fat brothers you know so well. <laughs> yeah. It started way back in history with that Ralph and me. My team. You can't hear hear it too strong on that, but yeah. So that, um, and then I'm I'm really thumping. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I really dig uh, a lot of the new stuff, 
like this coming out from I really like J. Cole. Oh yeah, man. Uh, okay. I like what he's doing. I like a lot of the might sound corny, but I like Bruno Mars. Right. Oh, I love me yeah, some Bruno he's Mars. Incredible I think singer, he's so man. Yeah. Old school. Like, yeah, that's what I like you know, about like, it. He's like Pharrell Williams. Yeah, yeah. And like in that new shit that he's doing with Anderson Pack or whatever. Oh, like, Anderson Pack is I, crazy. I, like, I, I just love it's gonna be it. so smooth. Yeah, because I mean they they they're lyrical. They got you know that they, they harmonize. They got they dancing. They they really playing instruments. You know, like it's real. There's music. some soul in it. Yeah, it's real music. And yeah, I, I dig that. And it's like you can feel what yeah. they're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, like who else would say something? so? So what is this got me blowing smoke out the window or something? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> who else would come up with something like that? Right. So those would be my those would be my music. Right on. Uh, what was the next one? Um, three emotions. <sighs> Man, just to make you feel real present. Yeah. Sad, I think, right now. Well, aware, I think, okay. is one. And then a kind of a sadness around the fragility of us. As the awareness makes me kind of sad sometimes. Around, because, you know, I'm looking at what just popped off in, in the tornado. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. Kentucky and all that. And, and how everything's just so fragile. So fragile. You know, and I'm not talking about people's emotions and shit that that's fragile too now that's gotten more fragile oh yeah that's just keeps... time right but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about just how small we are and how just one oh yeah little, how one little little hiccup from a mother nature perspective can just completely disrupt so much mm-hmm. and just spin everything right just turn it on inside yeah. out our insignificance man. yeah well yeah you know but i think that we tend to think that we've somehow outsmarted you know father time oh yeah and, and all of that stuff we think that we're beyond being checked as people right uh, you know but all, like i said all it takes is a hundred mile an hour wind to fuck up a lot of stuff or, yeah. you know, or, or more substantial or whatever. Right. And it's just so fragile or a virus, man. Right. And, you know, and that too, like how fragile and then that's a whole different thing. But yeah. that fragility around that, yeah. how easily we can be manipulated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Our society is um, just very, yeah. Fragile. Yeah. We're, we're very labile, word, fragile. Yeah. 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 So that, and that, and that makes me, um, not fearful, but it makes me sad. That we're, oh, that we're not yeah, stronger. I feel that. That we're not strong. And a little worried about yeah. what. Yeah, like what's, what's next? What's next? What's going to yeah. break like down? Can, what's going to like? How can we get? All? How can we get softer? You know, like yeah, like Every I, time, yeah. I mean, you know, what I'm saying, like, I think the softening of us socially has has worked against us in a lot of oh, ways. Oh, of course, and, yeah. And so that I have a problem with. So sadness around that. Sadness around the softness. Yeah, and the fertility. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopeful though yeah because i do think that something will happen i don't know what that something oh will be. i i feel that that'll as bring well. about a different reality that'll cause us to kind yeah. of revert to to the check strong. ourselves yeah. and realize something bigger yeah. to tap into the strength that made us kind of what mm-hmm. we are made like, us humanity the yeah. culture and all and that made the made the country so strong and Everything else, I think we'll revert to that at some point. I just don't know what it's going to take to yeah. make that happen. So hopeful. And then uh, 
I'm just happy, man. Happy. I, I, yeah, I you sound time. like Mike Tyson saying that. I'm just happy, man. <laughs> well, look, man. All I know is we get one shot at this. Exactly. Yeah. That's all, I, all that we know. That's the like, only known yeah, thing. Yeah, it may be more. Yeah. You know, some other shit might. Who knows? What else is out there? You know, but, but I believe the right now is real. So mm-hmm. I just enjoy it. And you got your shot and you got to shoot yeah. it and yeah, yeah, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. So just enjoy it. And then if you ain't enjoying it, then try to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so happy, happy about the opportunities to, to keep changing and learning and growing as a person, as yeah. a man, as a father, as a citizen. I like it. Yeah. I like you're stuff. thinking big picture. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I love that. Old thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all got a part in this big thing. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, so just want to make a difference. Find somehow, your part. Somewhere. Yeah. Find your part. Yeah. Hopeful. Hopeful. All right. That I'll make a difference. Well, perfect. You tied your thoughts into your emotions. Perfect. Yeah, that yeah, was no, wonderful. No, 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 <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start crying over here. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah, don't want that. Don't want that, though. Don't cry. Don't cry. All right, Brian, what you got for us? Oh, for songs. I'm going to say first song. This has been what I've been listening to to wake me up in the morning. Right. Is uh, Three Little Birds by Bob oh, Marley. Uh, right on. Nice. Right on. And if I make it to the point where he says, smile at the rising sun then yeah. i usually get up and i'm feeling great right. but if i hit snooze before that <laughs> i usually don't get up right away right and right. then my next song is devil wears a suit and tie by Coulter wall okay he's this canadian folk from saskatchewan artist. saskatchewan yeah right on. and it's cool because he just he plays all the instruments at once like he's got He's strumming the guitar, and then he's got like the kick stand yeah, or whatever. The lap steel, and mm. all the sounds are just coming solely from him. So I think that's really cool. Mm. And then the third one is this song that Lewis turned me on to the other night playing poker. Mm. It's called "I Do," and it's spelled A I D U by Ali Farka Truby. Roy, I think Roy, it is Ray Cooter. Ray Cooter. Is oh yeah, yeah. That and that was just like some soulful guitar. Right on. It just hit me, you know. I was just playing poker and I looked up and I was like, whoa. Right, that was a right. sick little lick right there. Yeah. So yeah. that got me feeling that. And then three emotions I got now. You're getting into my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm I'm definitely feeling the hopeful vibe. Right. Of like hopeful for my future, mm-hmm. for hopeful for what I'm doing, hopeful for humanity's future honestly at this point because i'm studying ecology and a lot of people that i surround myself with are studying the environment and all that and Mm -hmm. there's definitely some sad or some scary knowledge that we're being presented to by professors and all that of like we're not going to have sustainable food at this pace and Mm -hmm. all the sustainability so i'm a little scared but i'm hopeful that some change is happening Mm -hmm. how much of that do you take to heart you know like i talked to a girl about a week ago and she was like oh we're fucked in 10 years and i'm like well with that mindset we definitely are you know oh yeah like, see that's the thing it's like if you focus your energy on being fucked in 10 years mm. then you just have bad energy towards it and that's just going to start breaking down and snowballing into more and more mm. so i think you got to be aware of it and have it there but you need to use it to drive you mm. and to look for positives through it all yeah you know yeah i like that and then another emotion i have is a little overwhelmed right now just trying to finish out these last three days of school you know that's always a lot to just process it all and make sure you get it all done and do your best doing it Mm -hmm. man it's something about that though 
Something about that grind, something about that stress. That yeah, good, yeah, it does feel good. It gets me yeah. sweating. It gets my. It yeah. gets me getting some pit sweats. It lets yeah, you, lets you know you're doing. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes you tired at yeah, the end of the day. That's yeah, a good yeah. feeling. Exactly, and a little overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed, but I guess excited. My dad's coming out to go hunting. This weekend, fuck some birds up. so we got there's eight of us and we're gonna go goose hunting. Okay, out here and I'm just excited to show my dad that and he taught me how to hunt yeah. and now it's getting to the point in life where he's getting older, so yeah. he's gonna be the one sitting back just watching and enjoying while I'm putting in like the work to like set it up yeah, for and him. You got which, Ben with you too, so I'm stoked for that to like have a change of roles, you know, because yeah. he was always the one setting everything up for me. Yeah. making sure i was fed keeping me warm and all that right, right. but now it's going to be like i'm putting in the effort making sure he's comfortable mm-hmm. making sure he's enjoying it so right. that's going to be cool and then three thoughts i'm having right now i'm definitely thinking about this i gotta take a philosophy test after this right so i'm thinking a little bit about that okay but definitely trying to stay in the now yeah not thinking too far ahead thinking about I'm thinking about this girl I went on a date with the other day, actually, whether I like her or not. Yeah. Trying to decipher that. And then I guess just thinking about this weekend with my pops. Right on. That's where I'm at. Good. Okay. What do you got for us, Lewis? All right. So uh, first one is this Snoop Dogg song, No Fun with the Homies. It's got uh, Snoop Dogg, Corrupt, Warren G, and Nate Dogg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Snoop just goes (laughs) in. That's like old Snoop. Yeah, for sure. He's when did they release this song? That was on his like that was on his doggy style, yeah, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, that was his first joint. Was yeah, like, yeah. First. And then, uh, sorry, I gotta pull the phone out. It's hard to keep all my music straight. All right, so I hate Billy Joel, and he was a shitty person. But this song, Vienna Man, is just like <laughs> oh, Piano Man, Vienna. Oh, Vienna Man. Okay. So uh, v- Billy Joel was terrible to all of his bandmates, and. Uh, how it works like when people go on tour is they don't have a set band always. They just have like people that they call up. Right. And so he wouldn't let these people really know until about two days. So like Mm -hmm. being a guitar player, a professional Mm -hmm. guitar player, you have to be ready to just go on tour like that. And that's not a, that's not life that I want to live, but like they did a documentary on it. And, uh, he was one of the people that a lot of these guitar players talked about uh, was just okay. Billy Joel and how much he's an asshole, but I really like this song. So. Right on, right on, cool. Hell so yeah. that that kind of like the that hired gun joint that's on uh, Netflix, the hired musicians basically, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, like they play for some of the best ones. Yeah. Yeah, they just ring them up. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Uncle Ramus by uh, Frank Zappa. Right on. Zappa was this guy that, uh, oh, he was crazy, man. Yeah. He was just a tortured soul. He was sober thankfully but uh he he changed smoked cigarettes and he was a uh, it was pretty cool because during the movement of when uh, Ice Cube and Ice T were talking about uh gangster shit and uh they were really like starting the revolution of talking about real music in mm-hmm. the real life in their music mm-hmm. and these suburban moms didn't want their children listening to that right Frank Zappa would talk about church boys getting raped in the Catholic school system. And he was one of those people that was really at the forefront of that movement mm-hmm. with NWA right, of being right. like, this is what I want to talk about because this is what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to go to court over what I'm talking about. That's cool. That's real cool. Yeah. Yeah. Zappa's uh, my wife's dad. So my father-in-law's favorite, uh, I think. Oh, okay. One of, yeah. Right on. Yeah. So she, she tells me about him playing Zappa all the time. Yeah, Zappa yeah. and Led Zeppelin. Two <laughs> two uh 
cannot say that either one got any spin in my house growing up. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zero. Like, were your parents listening to rap when you were a kid? Nah, no, no, wasn't no rap when I was a kid. Oh, and true. Not, not really in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sugar Hill Gang came yeah. out with uh, Rappers Light in yeah, 79. Deli- yeah, that was 79. So it wasn't really no rap. It was more like we they had the they had the eight tracks, you know, the yep. Commodores and the all of those, you know, <laughs> Louis LTV, Armstrong, LTV, and all, all of them, Saka yeah. Cons, and the yeah, Stevie Wonders, yep. and all of that good Hell stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 right on. Yeah, so that yeah, they had that plan all the time. But not, Hell yeah, not no a rock happening in our house. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so my emotions. Uh, I'm fucking stoked. This conversation's sick. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very. I just feel present right now mindfulness is one of the things that I really try and practice because I'm always thinking about what's next, you know, mm-hmm. what are we going to do next? What am I going to do? What's the next truck that I'm going to buy? What's the, when am I going to start making more money? You know, X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. I feel really present having these podcasts and having yeah. these conversations really yeah. making me think about the person that's sitting across from me and next to me. And mm-hmm. that's a really nice feeling to start your Monday off. Yeah. yeah. I like that. For sure. I like that mindfulness without a doubt. And then, Especially at this time of year, yeah, you know, because consumerism reigns supreme in our oh in yeah this great, in this great nation of ours, and yeah. no, and at no time is it more more in your face than it is right now. Mm-hmm. So being mindful about being mindful, period, at this time yeah. of year is incredibly grounding. Yeah, yeah. So just grounded. Um, and then my thoughts. I'm thinking about pizza. Yeah, we were really? talking about pizza. <laughs> right on. I'm thinking about some tail, you know. Okay. Uh, you got so. the pizza dicks on your head. <laughs> <laughs> pizza <dick. laughs> and then I'm uh I'm thinking about people that are open to meeting new people and having conversations that, you know, push their comfort zone and yeah. really make them think and stimulate and they're in it for the right reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Jermaine, I feel like you're in this for the right reason, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You wanna you wanna help educate, you know, you wanna bring yeah, this sure. out. You wanna sure, stimulate man. thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you look, I'm a black dude in Bozo, Montana. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know There ain't many. You ain't joking. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so if you if you have a million dollar giveaway, you might get all of us there. All five <laughs> of, all five of us show up. You like, okay, that's And your family <laughs> house for cat counter you know what i'm saying but yeah but that's another thing right you know just be appreciated yeah i couldn't i do shit because i can right Mm -hmm. you know i'm here because i can be my parents didn't have this opportunity my grandparents didn't yeah to live in a place like this to have these experiences that i've had throughout my life so i take them with me Everywhere I go, I've yeah. been all over the world more times than I can shake a stick at, but I, <laughs> and I, I carry them with me without a doubt. When my grandmother was alive, I used to send a postcard from wherever I would go because I knew she'd never get there. Yeah, yeah. you know, whether it's freaking Dubai or or Beijing yeah. or Thailand or wherever, right? I'm just sending these cards. Well, that I feel Old that was like my mom. <laughs> my mom right now, so she is MS, mm-hmm. so she. She struggles to get around, you know. Yeah. She can't go skiing with me anymore, go on these hikes. Right. And so I hunt a bunch and I just take pictures of sunsets and sunrises and mm-hmm. of views and yeah. send her all these pictures and it makes her so happy to see these yeah. photos, which yeah. yeah. It drives me to go out and do stuff, which yeah. it's awesome. That's yeah, cool, man. Real cool. So that perfectly brings us into well, how are you doing on time? I'm cool, man. Right on. So uh 
how did you get here? How did you get to this beautiful Bozeman, Montana? Uh, yeah. Uh, it was it was all intentional, that's for sure. <laughs> Hell by, yeah. By, by accident. Well, I was, I'd lived in Denver okay. for, ended up being 15 years. So I moved in April 1st, 2004. And we moved up here June 21st or June 19th is when they left. And how long uh, you been with your lady? 2019. We met on Thursday, on a Thursday. Wow, your attention uh, to detail yeah, is man. awesome. Thursday, November 6th, 2005. Okay. In Denver? <laughs> yeah, in Denver at a nightclub, Hush. This buddy Hush. of mine owned this club called Hush. And so we met at Hush. Right on. Right on. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, and so we met. And uh, anyway, and she moved in with me in February of 08, I think. What were you wearing at that nightclub? Uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember what <laughs> she, she was, was wearing. wearing. I bet you do. I remember what she was wearing, but I don't remember what I was wearing. But um, anyway, we, we were in Denver. Right in the guts of it, right downtown. Yep. Um, for until 2014, and in 14 we moved to the suburbs. Okay. We moved north to like the Broomfield area of Denver. Yeah. Uh, we felt like it was no man's land. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had no idea. <laughs> yeah, like like to to the point like there was one time we went to my wife's office, which was in Longmont, about 40 whatever north of Denver. Yep. We went up there to her office to. She had to do something. And we stopped by this Lowe's on the way back to get these metric screws to mount a TV or something. Okay. And that was off of 144th, right? That was the exit that this that this Lowe's is off of. Yeah. Or 136th, one of the two. Anyway, I said, I came out and I was like, who the fuck would live way up here? I was like, this is, I was like, this is crap you know it's like because how far it was from downtown and yeah. everything like that and i'll be damned if that wasn't one of the exits to get to our crib <laughs> <laughs> so we moved up there the, the city got a, a bit tight for us yeah um and then we moved up there to get you know more space more you know like is it the space do. or the people uh it was it was the and our lifestyle had changed, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, so we went from, we, we met at a club, yeah. you know, so we went from clubbing, you know, and meeting at clubs and hanging out and doing all that to having a kid. Yeah. And, then, you know, obviously we ain't going to the clubs no more. So we, we, you know, we wanted the environment to fit kind of how we were moving. Right? Yeah, you know, definitely. Lifestyle. So we moved up there. That was the suburbs. We had some great neighbors and stuff, but it was still kind of, kind of like in the meeting, not really in the, you know, you don't have access that you have, like if you really live in the country, but you yeah. don't have the city act. You don't have the convenience of the city anymore. Yeah, you're just so lost like, in yeah, between, like kind of funky, like no man's land. You have to drive every fucking where, just mm-hmm. like I do here. But yeah. at least I'm in into this country. Yeah, you know. So anyway, so we moved up there, and then Denver changed so much from the time that I moved there to 2019. You know, oh, I'm it sure grew, it grew a lot. And it just wasn't the same. Like, you couldn't move around. Like, what normally would take you, what in 2004 would take 20 minutes. Yeah. Now took 45 minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. To Time's get, too valuable for that. Right. And I'm like, yo, I ain't getting no younger. Like, I'm, I'm sitting in this car and, you know, like, all of that. And and I always wanted to get somewhere slower anyway mm-hmm. because it's kind of more more like where I'm from. Yeah. And um, 
my wife, who was born and raised in Denver, she was just kind of ready to be somewhere else. As yeah. Well. She's an avid mountain biker. Like, she likes hiking and all of that. And so we were like, look, let's find her somewhere in the. For some reason, she's like got this huge bias against the Midwest. Never spend any fucking time there. <laughs> she doesn't want to go. Like, she don't want to. She's like, it's, that's like completely. Off the it's because there's no mountains. <laughs> well, that that's what she would say too. She don't know what's there. It could be, be some great shit. Then there ain't a mountain. But so what? But anyway, so she was like, "We got. We should find a place." And I had I worked remotely for a while, and for a couple of summers, I had a buddy that had a place in Blue River, Colorado, which is just south of Breckenridge. Oh right? yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly 10, where that is. Ten thousand feet. Yeah. yeah. So for a couple of summers, I would just rent his place. So we would basically move to Blue River for a month, for the yeah. month of July, for a couple of summers. Oh, like, that's a beautiful month to be yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I got to, when I would come back from work, because I would be gone Monday to Thursday, when I would come back, I would see her in her best form, right? You yeah. Know, happy, energetic all the rest of this stuff and our boy was he was taking the fucking gondola to day school like to day camp yeah and i'm like yo how sweet that's is cool that's what you get yeah, up yeah. in those mountain towns yeah i was like that's sick and yeah like, and so and he was in his best form so it was a it's a real it was a real simple existence up there you know obviously we were staying in a house we weren't like camping or nothing but yeah. it was a simple yeah pure like good vibes right and so Definitely. i was and so i thought to myself man i was like yo i gotta figure out a way to get this every day yeah yeah and, uh, and so we looked around after a few years of like kicking it around we we actually got serious about it and was like all right mm -hmm. let's go look and so we hopped on a plane and we came up here and i'd never been to my neither of us i've been to montana how'd you hear about bozeman we wanted a small smallish mountain with mountain access, na nature, all yeah. this stuff, but it wasn't saturated yet. Yeah. Right? So like Bend, Oregon was a place, but that kind of had gotten it's saturated. saturated. Mm -hmm. Like we thought about Boise, but Boise, we felt like that was kind of like a juvenile Denver. Yeah. Almost. Oh, one hundred percent. It'll get there. Yeah. And so that was getting there. So we were like, all right, well, where else? And then Bozeman somehow came. Gotcha. Came, yeah, it came in the fray. And well, then, Bozeman has some clout now. Yeah, no. And so we so we hopped on the plane, and we didn't know, like, we knew Missoula. So we looked here, Callis Bell and Whitefish. Yeah. And um, I don't know why, but anyway, that's, those are the places we looked. And I needed, because of how I work, I needed an airport, a reliable airport. Yeah. And the only one that was kind of, that fit the bill was here. Gotcha. And so we, we looked at like 50 houses between those three places in five days or something. Yeah. And uh, and the, the last house that we looked at on our way back through Bozeman, the, the day before we were due to fly out, was the house that we put an offer in on. That's Is that awesome. Where you live now? Yeah. And then we got it. And, oh, and we, we offered less than ask. Really? That's back sweet. When you can still yeah, do back, it. When that's, <laughs> back when you can still Exactly. Yeah. Now you got to be, you got to bring cash and be yeah. ready to ball out if you're buying a house but here that's now. The thing, that's the thing that makes us feel like we're in a different, you know, like as new as we are, we haven't been here three years, right? But yeah. As new as we are, we feel like we've been here for a long time 
because we're in a different wave of yeah. the growth. Man, you yeah. got so lucky. Yeah, exactly. We we were able to get. A yeah, you got in right in ass, time for sure. You know, and that's uh, we certainly contributed to the growth and to yeah. You know, we added a couple of cars to the traffic, <laughs> if you can call it that. Yeah, in Bozeman. So yeah, so we 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 moved up here because of lifestyle. I love that. I mean, Pure that's and simple. It was a lifestyle thing. I didn't move here for work. Yeah. And I told my wife this as well. I mean, if we were moving here for work, then we wouldn't have moved here. Yeah. For me, I don't know that employment is here. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the main reason I came up here was I was looking for a school. Mm-hmm. But for me, schooling was important, but more important was lifestyle and enjoying yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And I came and visited this place and it was it just had everything mm-hmm. that I enjoy. Like I grew up hunting a bunch. Yeah. And then fishing I got into in high school and that was kind of my release. Mm-hmm. And skiing's just always so I grew up in Vail. Oh right. Colorado. Right so right yeah, yeah, yeah. I kinda had that whole mountain like I'm okay. the mountains run through me at yeah, this point. Yeah. My wife spent a spent the year she worked at some popcorn shop or some popcorn wagon. Up oh, no shit. Yeah, she Dude, did. Dude, oh, what is it called? She can tell you. Oh, yeah. it's right by Vendetta's. Yeah, and there's yep, this, yep. Oh, she, I, she did I've, that. I've been there so many yeah, times. She, she, she no did that. shit. Yeah. That's super cool. <laughs> yes, That's yeah. badass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that little thing. Yeah. That's but, sweet. But so, and, and I wanted, you know, I've, I've never hunted. Yeah. You know, and this place has all the stuff that I at least think that I want to do. Yeah. So from hunting, the fishing and, you know, all of the, the, um, outdoor recreating on ATV and all of that yeah. stuff. I enjoy it. I, you know, but you know, you live in a fucking city. Who cares if you enjoy it? You don't have it. You, you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like where are you going to hunt if you live in Denver? Like, yeah. It's going to take forever. You know, it's going to take. Yeah. Get out of traffic hours. first yeah, and then you got to drive process. up into the even mountains. To get to the, even go skiing. Yeah. You know, some turn, it, everything was a process. So, we just we didn't want that anymore. Yeah, you wanted more time, basically yeah. less time in the car. Yeah, yeah, quality. Yeah, we wanted a quality lifestyle, and that's what this place represent. You know, gave us. Yeah, um, we felt like we get it, and we did. It lacks some things, you know. Of yeah, course, like diversity. But I tell people this all the time. I'm like, look, I've been training for this shit since I was 18. <laughs> 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 Meaning, being one of few. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame certainly Notre Dame had when I went to school there, I think we had uh two hundred and eighty two black people. Yeah. Out of ten thousand. I mean, I'm sure that's almost what MSU's at if probably MSU might be I, even less. No, yeah. no way. If if you don't count the football and basketball team. Oh no, you gotta count them now. You yeah. gotta count them. They they're there. They they count. You gotta count. Yeah. So yeah. But like fifty percent of the males on uh, Notre Dame's campus when I was there played some kind of sport oh wow oh, cool yeah there was some kind of athlete so there was almost a fraternity with that too yeah 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 oh right so, on so it was but again i've been training for this since i was 18 yeah so for 30 years i've been training for this so, so. this may not be a fair way to ask this but uh how is uh like being one of a few i mean in denver that was much less prevalent sure. right how does that change things or does it i mean is it only how it you let it change things it's more the latter, but sometimes it it just becomes so prevalent, and this, the frequency is so high. Yeah, you know whether it's here or I mean, I just concluded some work in Calgary. You know, so it's like it's always the case, right? You know, you yeah. look around and you could be in a place that's packed, the absolute chocolate block, packed to the gill, 
you're the only one that looks like you, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you're the only, and it's like, man, how did this, sometimes it becomes a little bit, like when you get in your own head about it. Yeah, I'm I get sure. in my head about it, yeah. it becomes bigger, I think. I allow it to be bigger when I when I start thinking like that. Mm-hmm. But normally I don't I don't even everybody looks when you walk in the door. Oh, I'm sure. You no, know, but I mean you're almost, no small person yeah, either. That happens almost everywhere, you know. Yeah. So I gotta recognize that, right? Yeah. When you're six five, two hundred and fifty pounds, you know, and you're a former athlete, you know, you people gonna notice yeah. you, right? I mean you're, you're a good like, looking dude, yeah. you're gonna turn some heads you're sneaking and... in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like you're not like fucking, you know, like you're just not like, yeah, like you're not camouflaged around this. Like, yeah, that, that's not happening. So it's not that heavy. It's okay. not that heavy. Yeah, um, it's only as heavy as you make it. I think at times when we were doing our little due diligence trip, we were staying over at uh, Hilton, uh, whatever Spring Hill, some place over there off of uh, Baxter. We were staying over there. Okay. And the manager, white dude, of course, we were having a conversation with him in the lobby. And my wife is white. And so she says to him, we were talking about the diversity or lack thereof or whatever. And he said, look, I was born and raised in Bozeman. He said, I'm not saying that there's there's no racism or there's no problems here. He's like, but if they are, they're very slight. Yeah. In his opinion. You think that that's held true? Well, People are I, I nice do. here. I do, I do. But he went on to say, and my wife's she's five eleven and she has short shortish hair, right? And so he said, You guys will get more stares and double takes because of her short hair than because of you being black. Oh really? Here. That's what he said. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess there weren't a lot of there aren't a lot of females here with that are tall with short hair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if thinking about it, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it makes sense. I mean, there aren't a lot of black people either, but no. you know, yeah. But yeah. So I, I do think, Lewis, I do think that it's it's held true. Not to say that, and this is something that I think about all the time, and I talk about it quite a bit. But uh, not to say that there's not race. I, I think there's racism here, without a doubt. I think it's here, and I've probably been in close proximity with some people that maybe wouldn't want to be in close proximity with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But what I do know is how it's manifest or not. It has not mushroomed into yeah. anything. Yeah, hasn't become anything right. or been prevalent not, and been not, an issue. No, it which has is, not been an issue anywhere at any time for anything that I've done in this state of Montana. Yeah. Not just in Bozeman, but in the whole state. People are nice. Like, yeah, people are people really are, nice out here. It's like scary nice. Yeah. I feel, I feel like sometimes I feel like there's a damn camera. Like I'm on a TV show. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, like I'm being pranked or something. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you being so nice to me, man? Yeah, like I, like my neighbor. Like I just met this. Dude. Like we don't have a truck, like a pickup truck. I feel like they should give you a pickup truck when you move them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like some places back in the day. Fuck a stimulus check. I want a pickup truck. <laughs> like you cats might be too young, but some places back in the day, like the allowed smoking, they were so fucking smoky that you felt like they gave everybody a pack of cigarettes as soon as they walked in the door. <laughs> like well, you could see the you could like, see the stack. Yeah, yeah, up like there. you could see it. Like you could crawl underneath like a cloud of smoke. So, but I feel like they should give you a truck when you move to Montana because it's so necessary, right? Yeah. But we don't have one. So we move and we, and you know, and I'm, it's all kind of like shrubs and shit that needed to be trimmed at the house. Yeah, of course. So I'm doing that. 
unbeknownst to me, you got to kind of get rid of that shit yourself here. Right, yeah. and I figured as much, but I'm like, oh, how are we gonna do what, that? What am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> now actually. Yeah, so my neighbor has a, has a truck. Of course, he has a truck. Everybody, but us yeah. has a truck. So, and I had just met him like two days before, two days. Yeah, my wife was already here. I was in the Middle East working, but I come to town. I do all this manual labor, more than I've done in twenty years in the yard. So I'm out there, do all this, get all this piles of shit that I got to cart off. He just walks over, right, with keys in hand and says, we're going to a concert, like some concert up at Big Sky, Moonlight something. Yeah. We're going to some concert up at at Big Sky. He said, we'll probably be gone. We'll probably already be on our way up there by the time you finish. He said, but you can take my truck. Didn't just stop there. Now, I just met this guy two days before. Yeah. Didn't have each other's phone numbers, none of that stuff. And he's like, you can take my truck. I was like, all right, cool. And then he's like, when you bring it back, we won't be here. So just put the keys on the table. I'm like, on the table? What table? He's like, on the table just inside the door. I was like, the door to (laughs) the house? He's like, yeah. I was like, so let me get this straight. You're giving me the keys to your truck, and you want me to put them on the table just inside the door of your house and you're going to be gone and <laughs> your house is just it's empty be, it's just going to be unlocked he's like yeah and i was like ooh i was like y'all different I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like y'all are yeah. special. Like, this is a special place. A very special place. So that you know, like when you get greeted like that, right? How can you how can you irrespective of your color? How can you feel like there's any you know like yeah, like like that. That's not genuine, right? It's, yeah. it's real. You know, there's some really that's really awesome. nice people, but this place, but it's scary because to me, it it almost it's like a bubble. In a oh, bubble, it, in a bubble it's yeah, it's so big bubble. Nice. People are so nice and it's so unique, mm-hmm. like compared to other places in the U.S., let alone the world. It's so unique. Oh yeah, that I don't know how you can grow up here and really thrive in other parts of the world in other parts of the world yeah so how do you think about like raising your son who looks like you mm-hmm. and uh what do you want his experiences from you to be like so that he's ready for that well we have to expose him you know yeah he, i'm his dad right and, yeah you know and he he doesn't see me like he sees everybody else right I, of course he knows i'm black and he he sees that but, you know, other than that, the only black people he sees on TV, mm-hmm. more or less, the only yeah. ones he sees on TV. So we have to get him exposed, right? You Definitely. Know, through books, through... It's like going on trips to yeah, places. Yeah, we have, we have to. I mean, because otherwise, you know, he we won't know how to move. He won't know how yeah. to... He won't know the culture. He won't know how to... Yeah. You know, he won't even know how to shake somebody's hand. You know, yeah, because we got a little style. With him. He, he he likes that though. <laughs> he he peeps it out. He recognizes that like the swagger, the style is all very different between one and the other. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's like he's like man. He, yeah, he 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 picks it up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I, it's it's a concern, but it's one that I'm not going to let dominate us. It doesn't outweigh the benefits of being here. You know, exactly. You know, like he, you know, like the purity and the the access to the things that he has access to, the knowing that 
he will be able to grow up with the kids that he hangs out with now and go to school, you know, like all the way through. Yeah. It is is that's that's special. Definitely. That's real special. I mean, this place is is that, and I don't want this place to lose that. Mm-hmm. Which is why I voted against that. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't want this place to lose it. As new as I am, you know, I don't want this place to lose that that uh, very unique feeling that it that it has. Definitely. So that was the sole reason why you voted against I one ninety. No, that wasn't the sole reason, but that was one of the reasons because I do think that it'll change the it'll change the culture of yeah. Bozeman. And I mean, you were in Denver when yeah when it, happened it all happened, so you got to watch yeah. that change. Yeah, you create this, um, you create another economy. Yeah, you know that's, uh, that's around not, getting hot. Well, yeah, but what else is that economy doing or not doing? Right, we already have an environment where where the service folks can't necessarily afford public service teachers you know yeah all these people they're kind of being priced out right Mm -hmm. so they can't afford to buy a place here so how how are you going to feed this place with how are the uh the trimmers and all of those people where they gonna live yeah where they gonna live you know you got you just got approval for some housing to to feed big sky Sky, yeah right but again where are these people who this industry desperately needs? Where are you going to get the additional law enforcement to? I don't know. You're yeah. going to have to pay them twenty dollars an hour, right? You know, so it's it just it, it introduces elements that I don't think Montana's ready for. Okay, I got, and you. that's why I voted against it, not because I don't want everybody to have access to um, cannabis, yeah, or whatever. Sure, if you want to do that and you're old enough, go cool, go for it, get blazed up, but. I just don't think that the state's ready for it. I don't think, I don't even think that the the industry in Montana is ready for it. There's not mature enough. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I definitely seen feel it that. Because I was medical in, in Colorado before it became recreational as well. And just how that, and they were ready. Yeah. And, and oh, it still, yeah. It still created the, the undercurrent was still something that they weren't quite prepared for. Yeah, and I would Can say you ever be prepared for that. <sighs> Sorry, Brian. Oh, you're good. I don't know. I think you can you can be better prepared than not. Well, and I think Montana aware. Yeah. And see, I don't think that there's a heightened awareness here, even to even um, kind of kickstart the preparedness. You have to first. You have to be aware. Yeah. Of what's coming, and I don't think that. And maybe I'm wrong. And hopefully we'll find out. Yeah, it's gonna happen soon. But I don't think that. The industry, that the people in the industry, or the people around the industry, the people, the advocates, and everything else, I don't think the ones who voted, the majority of the people who even voted for it, to it being reckless to make it wreck, are aware of what's are, going on. I are mean, aware of what's coming. I would say most people that voted for it were just like, "Oh, sick! I can just yeah. buy pot now." Right? Hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. But I would, from my view, I would at least hope that Montana's looked at what Colorado went through, what Oregon, Washington went through mm-hmm. and is able to construct some sound or like some well put together way to do it. But What's it's still going to be another experiment because this is a state like none of those other states. Like yeah. population is way lower. Uh-huh. It's a very red state, very Republican state. Mm-hmm. So it's very different than all these other yeah. places that have done and, it. And maybe I'll, I'll be wrong because maybe the demand just isn't there because we do have such a low population 
right? Yeah. And, and I don't think you're gonna be wrong, man. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't either. But I, I just because of the freedoms, yeah. and I think that the people who, and this is a, it's a, it's a new industry. Well, not new, but it's a new avenue yeah. in that industry. Yeah. And I think that people are gonna, will know, Colorado's saturated. People who want to work in it in Colorado, and Denver's just as expensive as you know in those places: Boulder, Denver, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs. Oh yeah. All those places where people want to be, uh, especially young people, want to be in the state of Colorado, you know, those places are kind of saturated now. So what's next? Oh, I could go up here and maybe I'm willing as an individual, I'm willing to go live like 10 people in a house, you know? Yeah. And oh, sleep, definitely. And, and sleep on a, on a futon mattress in the corner somewhere and work at as a trimmer in one of these shops. You know, I just don't think that the community is ready for that. Yeah. I just don't. There's definitely going to be some big change. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, but we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see, see what happens. Yeah. All right. Let's flip the script a little bit and Go talk about what you do for a living. Okay. So you're a, you're a consultant and yeah. you explained to us before we started that there's two types of consultants. In my mind. Yes. Yeah. In your mind. <laughs> Everything's always in our opinion, you know? Yeah. And there's coaches and there's workhorses. Yeah. And you're a coach. I'm a coach. And what is that like? Oh, I think it's awesome. You know, like people ask me if I wanted to get into coaching. They always say I should get into coaching like sports. And I'm like, nah, because I don't want to. That's a pain in the butt. Building <laughs> build kids or having that kind of control. Yeah. Right? Because when you're a coach on a collegiate level even, you control this young person, whether it's a male or female, depending on the sport. You control this young person's future yeah, definitely. From an athletic perspective, you kind of have your hand on it, right? And I didn't want that. Uh, but professionally, working in a in a normal business setting, lots of people are very technical. They have the, all the technical proficiency that you can possibly envision, but they don't have the leadership skills that I naturally kind of, well, not naturally, but that I just, that was groomed in me from being in sport, from age five to to whenever, right? Yeah. And so you just learn from following. You learn what good leadership is. You learn how to communicate. You learn how not to make assumptions and assume that this person is going to do what this, you know, like you do all of those things mm-hmm. in sport, right? And so I'm like, well, shit, I can, if I can do it for a living, so if I can coach people in the workplace to think more, in a more connected way, like uh, kind of almost like an athlete. Like if you can prepare like an athlete, if you can think like an athlete, communicate like an athlete, the good and the not so good, the things that, that you really appreciate about somebody and their efforts and what they're doing and the things that you want to correct. Yeah. Right? Cause that shit is not, it's, it's not absent in sport It's ever present in sport. Like you don't have to guess if you did a good job or a bad. Yeah, you gonna know. <laughs> yeah, you gonna know. Yeah, and they gonna let you know right then. Yep, yeah. <laughs> it's not delayed. You don't have to wait to watch the film to be like, oh, yeah. But no, nah, no, nah, you don't have to wait for the film. <laughs> so I wanted to bring those things to the workplace, and so that's what I do. I just help okay. people help themselves and help them execute better, but just by tweaking this or that. It's not the technical bits; it's the other bits. It's the connections between the players, if you will employees so you're building like teamwork basically well, sort of 
but it's the again, it's the connections. It's connecting the people to the purpose, and it's connecting each person. Oh, okay. Uh, it's getting the alignment between the expectations and the execution. That's where I play, because the people who set the expectations aren't doing the work. Yeah. Ever. That's just yeah. like, you know, they, they, they're That's not. That's just how it is. <laughs> That's, That's just, just how it is, yeah. right? So they're not doing the work. So the people who who are tasked with doing the work need to understand why. They need to understand what they're being asked to do, how they should do it, and why it's important to the, to the over, and why it's important not just to the organization, but to them to do it a certain way. Yeah. So I play in that space. Okay. So, so Brian and I have a podcast, and we hire you to be our consultant. What are you going to tell us? It depends. <laughs> what does it depend on? Well, I have to see what what kind of feedback we're getting. Like, right? yeah, yeah. Like who who who's your customer? Who's your audience? What they're like, saying? Yeah, and what are they? What are you missing? What are you? Where are you hitting? What's really resonating with people? And gotcha. You know, so that you can turn down one and turn up the other, or yeah, what yeah. have you. Maybe you got a little bit too much dialogue. Maybe the music people don't like. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But you know, if you talk to them, you'll find out if you're open and you'll if you'll listen to what they're saying. Yeah. You can really make some some small small changes that'll have a significant impact. Yeah. Like a lot of small changes yeah, that build up to something. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and that's all I do. So, what's your favorite thing about what you do? Seeing the light come on. Yeah. yeah, I've seen people like, yeah. oh, I get it yeah. now. Yeah, it's just like it's just like being a parent, you know. Like you, you guys, you don't have kids yet, but you understand what it's like to be a child. Yeah, so you know what it's like to get that appreciation from that pat on the back from your dad or from oh, your yeah. mom or like, I'm so proud of you, you know. And they and they they're not doing it for themselves. Right, they're doing it because in recognition of what something that you did, that they are like, yeah, I, yeah. I did a good job, you know. And so that's how I feel as a as a coach, as a professional consultant, a coach, whatever. Is when they start, it's like taking the training wheels off when they're pedaling on their own. They're like, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm happy that's now. awesome. My job's been done. Like for me, that's legacy. Yeah. You know, like I'm leaving something. I'm doing something with these people. Yeah, you're helping out a community, yeah. all sorts of communities. They're going to remember you, man. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yo, these people are incredibly smart, but I'm just getting, I'm just taking something and I'm giving it to them in a way that they can digest it mm -hmm. and really incorporate it into their life. And I tell them all the time, everything that I, that I share with folks is portable. Right. It's not just it doesn't just exist within the halls of a workplace. Yeah. Take you take it home with you, because if it makes you better at work, it'll make you better at home. And so it's just life shit. I mean, that's really what it is, is what yeah. I do. It's like what what Holtz, what my coach did for us in college. He taught us life through football. Right. And I'm just giving these people life through work. Yeah. That's it. It's the same thing. Exact same thing. Yeah. So are you just trying to build, try to get the bigger picture into people's That's part mindset, of it. That's seeing part of it. the main or the bigger reason? Well, yeah, I help the ones who should see it, see it. And then I help, then I work with them to help everybody see it. So oh, that they can okay. Yeah, yeah. That. Because if the big picture matters, it matters to all everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But you just have to figure out a way to communicate it to that person is this on the on the tools that's getting yeah. dirty every day. It's a different way of communicating that big picture to them. 
Oh, definitely. Than it is to the CEO. Uh-huh. To see, you know, like they're talking in a whole different language. Yeah. In the boardroom than they are, you know, down on the shop floor. Yeah. And so how do you give it to the people in the shop? And are you working with like everybody from CEO all yeah. the way down through the whole I, network I do. of it? Yes, I do. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, I did more of it. Most recently, I've, I've it's been more elevated a bit, but I did more like directly with the people. I worked probably four or five years uh, offshore on oil rigs and stuff. Okay, uh, yeah, doing the same thing because the mess, the expectations were being set by executives in town. You know, like and they didn't get it. It's yeah, they're, they're sitting in an office. Yeah, they, they don't have to put on coveralls and steel toe boots and hard hats and go out and expose themselves to the elements and to, to danger and all this stuff on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. But out on the rigs, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stuff that can kill you. It's a lot of danger. Out yeah, there. definitely. So I work with those people to help them to understand the expectations and, and how to meet those and not just meet them, but exceed them. So, yeah. And I think it's super cool. Cause you probably also learned a ton from doing this as well. Like you get all these different walks of lives and yeah. learn all these different yeah. stories. And yeah, I'm a kid from Anderson, South Carolina. Yeah, I didn't grow up with in the oil industry. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know shit about it. I'm a psychology major. I went on. I got my MBA, but still, that's not oil field. No, nah. that's not. That's not getting dirty. I mean, I don't really do any of that stuff. But that's not. That's not you know socializing you to that type of environment. Yeah, you know. So it's just, again, it's just like moving to Bozeman. I had an opportunity to do it, so why not? Yeah. It's like, why what's not? the worst that could happen? I fail. It sucks. Yeah. Okay. All right. Learn I'll something move on from to something it. Else. Yeah. <laughs> move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's. I thought it was great. Yeah. And they're like, how did you end up? Everybody I talked to, all my teammates, how how did you end up doing that? Or, In that place. Uh, yeah. Or how did you end up there? Or why did you? Just like, Yeah. I'm like. Because I could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Badass. Yeah. I think it's super cool that you're able to tie in football, this yeah. thing that was part of your whole young life, mm-hmm. and then the degree you got in social yeah. or psychology, psychology yeah. and turn it into this profession and this yeah. almost way of life, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that, it is. I think that's life. super cool. Because yeah. I'm the same everywhere. So all I do on a client site, I just give them me. That's yeah. It. I just show up as 100% me. All the time, and I just give it to them with both barrels. I just, un- <laughs> I just unload them every day. Just give them both barrels of what I have to give them, and uh, you know, obviously in a professional way. And you know, because I can talk to all of them, so I can cover the spectrum. But that's just like my my life. You know, I can I can kick it with cats on the corner, on the block, or I can go all the way to the boardroom. Yeah, I can do either one. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can talk shit. You're I, I can yeah. talk shit with you. We can play. Yeah. You can shoot craps. We can do play tunk. We can do all that shit. Like pitch pennies. We can do all that on the, on the street corner, or I can put on a suit and tie, and we can start, that's awesome. We can talk about depreciation schedules and net present value and all the rest of that stuff in the boardroom. You know, so just have, adapt into yeah. what you got. Yeah, whatever. Adapt or be left behind. Yeah, you gotta you just keep moving, man. Just Hell yeah, moving. yeah. Keep yeah. moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep moving. So when you got your MBA, what changed? Uh my confidence. Yeah, my confidence in uh, in those quantifiable kind of uh, conversations around quantifications and, and numbers. Okay. 
that that's what changed. So an MBA is expensive. Do you think it's worth it still? I think eventually, yes. Like Straight. the cost-benefit analysis of getting an MBA today. I would say if an individual, irrespective of their field of work, if an individual has an opportunity to go right into that field, right, a great one, let's say finance. Yeah. So if you have an opportunity to go to work for some kind of capital management firm or hedge fund or something like that straight away, even if it's in some kind of understudy thing, do it because nothing will trump hands on. Oh, of course. Right. Because grad school typically is theoretical. Like you got a lot of theory in undergrad too. Yeah. It's not applied. It's not practical. It's not that. So unless you are going into a practical program, I would get work experience in in advance of an MBA. And then I would only get the MBA if you think it's going to help. So for me, turning it inward, I had all the qualitative stuff, you know, being a psychology undergrad, the people connection stuff, you know, like from being on teams and all of that. I had that stuff in spades, right? But I didn't have the the quantitative. You know, I only had to take statistics, right, mm-hmm. as a psychology guy. So the finance, the accounting, all of those things. And I was working in an industry that was, at the time, I was in aircraft leasing. I've done lots of stuff. But I was in aircraft <laughs> leasing at the time. And, you know, you're talking about big assets. And I was an asset manager, but you're talking about these huge assets that, that cost a lot of money and a lot goes into keeping them in shape and everything else. Yeah. And so I would be at the table and conversations would be happening around values and this and current or future values. And I, I was lost, man. I was, I was straight up lost. I would just be sitting there kind of looking at people for cues. And then I would kind of nod my head a little bit or, or whatever, <laughs> just making it seem like I was like, you understand you know, I was, like I was tracking on. with what was happening. Yeah. But I really didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. So that, that helped me a lot, but I did it 10 years after 10 years of work experience. You see, so I got, well, more, more than that. I graduated from university. No, I was in 95. I, gra- I was in class in 95. I started my MBA at the University of Denver in 2006. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, you got hands on oh, and yeah. then we were oh, like, yeah. okay, I need to further this yep. and yep. expand what I know. Exactly. Exactly. Right on. So you just wanted a, to better yourself. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a get wet first. That's, yeah. that's the way I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before getting, before you, you want to. I'd say get wet first. Yeah. Yeah, get wet before get you get wet know. first. A little figure bit of foreplay before you go get <laughs> yeah. Figure out what you really want to get yeah. into. Yeah, because most people don't have a clue. No. You know, like, most people uh, suck at foreplay, man. They skip it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say dip your toe in, in several pools, figure out kind of what, what interests you, even, yeah. even if it's just what you want to do. Right. Like when I started the MBA, I was like, look, I want a career where I'm traveling internationally for at least 50 percent of the time. And, you know, that was like a vision statement or something they made us do, you know. Yeah. But at least knowing that is something that's more than I knew when when I entered undergrad or when I finished undergrad. 
And, you know, I didn't have that capacity. I didn't know what was possible Yeah. when I was 18 to 22, 23, you know. But when I was 30-something, I was like, I had been exposed to a lot more. And I was like, okay, cool. Why not? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, Jermaine, yeah, you're, you're badass, dude. Yeah. Appreciate you. This what has you, been a pleasure. Would, is there anything you. you want to end it with? No, no. Just keep doing your thing, fellas. Hell yeah. I appreciate y'all uh, inviting me over. Oh, oh we appreciate having yeah. your time the on sound here. Cave, the sound cave. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like yeah, this it. is the room right here. This is... The boom boom room. <laughs> the boom boom room. <laughs> we digs on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Y'all seen that movie, Life? Uh, oh, oh no! I've se- I saw it on Netflix the other yeah, day. Gotta I gotta watch it. Right. Boom Boom Room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, Word. Yeah, check We're it right out. on, man. Yeah, check it out. Cheers. All right, Cheers, man. appreciate you, fellas.